0: You have your Bible. Would you turn to Philippians chapter two as we continue our journey through this epistle of joy? Philippians two, we read this morning verses nineteen through twenty four. And Paul says, But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that you also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the beautiful, wonderful, powerful, matchless name of Jesus. And thank You, Lord, for what You are able to do to change hearts and lives. As You changed the heart of the Apostle Paul, You changed the heart of Timothy. They became powerful examples of what Your grace and mercy can do in the lives of people. Father, would you do that in our midst today? Help us to understand who you are, what you've done for us. Help us to embrace the good news of salvation and then to live a life that would draw people to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Leslie Strobel became a Christian in 1979. And she modeled her faith in such a way that her atheistic husband, Lee, began to search for the Lord. And in his book, The Case for Christ, he tells of his two-year intensive research that finally led to the point where he received Jesus as his Savior. And the change in his life also influenced their five-year-old daughter, Allison, And she said one day, Mommy, I want God to do in me what He has done in Daddy. What a powerful testimony that must have been. I want God to do in me what God did in Daddy. And so Leslie's faith created kind of a ripple effect, right? As She was the first one in that family that came to the Lord. Her life was a witness to her husband. He came to Jesus his daughter, she also wanted that relationship that had transformed the lives of her mother and father. Apostle Paul understood the power of a good example. And that's why he pointed earlier in this chapter to the ultimate example of Jesus. In chapter 2, verse 5, he says, Have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus. So Jesus is the ultimate example to us, right? Clearly. Scripture makes that clear. I think Paul realized there may have been some in the Philippian church who are saying, well, how do you expect me to follow the pattern of the perfect Son of God? Am I ever going to be like Jesus? Well, Paul gives a couple examples of men whose lives display this Christ-likeness living. One is Timothy, and after Timothy, we look at a man by the name of Epaphroditus. These two men were powerful examples of what God could do in the lives of his people. Three ways in which Timothy was a pattern to follow. First of all, the powerful example of selflessness. Selflessness. The Philippian believers were many miles away from Rome where Paul was, as he writes, from prison. And yet Paul was thinking much about them as he writes this letter. Paul wanted to know how they were doing, and he wanted them to know how he was doing, so he sent them a text messenger. (laughs) Not a text message. A text messenger named Timothy. Verse 19, he says, But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. Then in verse 23, Therefore I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. So Paul says, I want to know about you, and I want you to know about me. So I'm sending Timothy to you. Now if you read in this passage, you'll notice that Paul had a good reason for sending Timothy. And he mentions here that Timothy was a man who had a genuine concern for the Philippian believers. Look at verse 20. He says, I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. That word concerned is, is really quite a strong word. It carries the idea of having concern for someone even to the point of being burdened for them. Ever have such concern for someone that you are burdened for them? Sometimes we speak of having a burden for souls, a desire that that people would come to the Lord, and it it kind of gives us a, a heaviness. Paul uses it in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 28, where he says, apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. He uses the same word in chapter 4, verse 6 of this letter where it is translated anxious or even worry. Kent Hughes says, Paul knew that Timothy's concern for the welfare of the Philippians would be so genuine that when Timothy arrived in Philippi, his concern would look very much like worry. <laughs> That's how burdened he was, how much he cared for these people. And so it wasn't just a casual interest that Timothy had in this congregation. It was a deep concern for them because he genuinely cared for them. And I say, oh God, give us people like that, right? Who genuinely care for others in the body of Christ. Many years ago, there was a prominent soldier was returning from foreign duty. And there was a newly hired driver who was to go to the train station and pick him up. He said, I've never seen him before. How will I know it's him? And his mother said this, look for someone who is helping somebody else. That'll be the one. And sure enough, when he gets to the train station, here's this guy helping this lady with her baggage. Ah, that's the guy. There is a man who has concern for others. That's Timothy. A genuine concern for people there in Philippi. And I find it interesting, and maybe it's sad in this sense, that that Paul sent Timothy because he didn't find anyone else like him that he could send. Did you notice that? Verse 20 says, For I have no one else of kindred spirit, who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, for they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ. What a statement. What a statement. I don't think Paul is saying that there were no people anywhere like Timothy. Paul had discipled some other godly men like Luke and Silas and and, and Titus. But as Paul examined the men who were available to him at that time in Rome, he said, other than Timothy... I can't find anyone else, anyone else who had that selfless spirit, that genuine concern for others. Warren Wearsby says, there were certainly hundreds of Christians in Rome. Paul greets 26 of them by name in Romans 16, yet not one of them was available to make the trip. And maybe that illustrates how rare it is for someone to have a genuine concern for others. I hope that's not rare among us. A rare thing that there is a genuine, honest, heartfelt concern for one another. I'm thankful that I wouldn't be able to say, well, there's only one guy in the congregation that I could really send. (laughs) Only one guy in our church that really cares about other people. That's kind of a sad testimony to that body there in Rome. Now, maybe some others were gone and so forth, but Paul really makes this point clearly. I have no one like Timothy. A selfless man. A man who really cares about others. Are you an example of selflessness? I hope not an example of selfishness, but an example of of selflessness. That was was Timothy. What a the powerful example of faithfulness. Not only selflessness, but faithfulness. Paul's desire to send Timothy to the Philippian church was not the first mission that Paul had given to him. I found it interesting. One of the sources I read uh, said that by the time Paul wrote this letter, he had mentored Timothy for about 10 years. And that's why Paul says that in verse 22, "But you know of his proven worth, his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child Serving his father. a I neat mean, picture. There was this, this apostle. Uh, and there's that Timothy who was right there with him. Like a little boy, you know, when dad's building something. Can I help dad? <laughs> what can I do? There was that relationship between Paul and, and Timothy. And the word translated proven worth was used in Paul's day to describe the process of testing metal coins. The coins needed to be carefully inspected to make sure that they were genuine. There were probably those who were trying to fake out people, right? These aren't the real thing. And so they had to test those metals to see if they were actually proven. And so Paul is saying that What he saw in the life of Timothy is that he had been tested and found to be of proven worth. He was the real thing. He was the genuine article. The guy that really loved the Lord and had shown it. The people in Lystra and Iconium were ones that had observed the life of Timothy. We find that in Acts 16. Verse 1, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy. And Timothy was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And it doesn't say whether or not he was a believer, and many assume that his dad wasn't. But then verse 2 says that he was well spoken of, Timothy, was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra, and I- Iconium. So they testified to his proven worth. He was well spoken of by those in Lystra and Iconium, and that's why Paul wanted him to travel with him. Acts 16, verse 3, Paul wanted this man to go with him. And what's interesting, after spending time with Timothy, now some say that it could have been 10 years, Paul was so confident of Timothy's faithfulness in the gospel, that sending Timothy to minister there was really no different than sending Paul himself. Listen to what Paul says about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, he says, For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would have not many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. And then he says, Therefore I exhort you, Be imitators of me. Paul is saying, follow my example. And then notice verse 17. For this reason, to be imitators of me, for this reason I have sent you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Paul says, I can send Timothy. It's like I'd be sending myself... Because he will remind you of my ways in Christ Jesus, just as I teach everywhere in every church. This is one of the reasons why Timothy was selfless and faithful. He had seen it in the life of his mentor, right? He had observed that in the life of the Apostle Paul, a flesh and blood example of what it means to follow Jesus. Isn't that great when you have a flesh and blood example that illustrates what it means to follow Jesus? I am so thankful for my father as I saw in him what it means to follow Jesus. And it wasn't just the sermons that he preached. He used, to, he used to, We'd come after church to lunch and say, you know, Dad, that was a, a great message today. And of course, he'd ask us, well, what did I say? We kind of looked at each other and said, well, you you talked about Jesus. He said, well, yeah, I talk about Jesus every Sunday. What did I say? He says, they lost it from the church to the parsonage, which was two blocks away. But you know what? I remembered his life. Because it wasn't just the sermons that he preached on Sunday from the pulpit that impacted me. It was the way he lived. Because he practiced what he preached. And there was one example that made a huge impact on my life. We were in the district basketball tournament, and our game was on Wednesday night. Wednesday night, that's church night, right? Bible study. And there were people in the congregation that were saying, Pastor, are you going to cancel Bible study for that game? Your son's playing. Everything my dad did? He said, No, that's not, that's not what we do here. Studying the Word of God is more important than a ball game. If you want to go to the game, whoever it was that asked him, you, you go ahead. But he said, We'll be gathered here to study the Word. And so he came and told me that afternoon when I got home from school. He wouldn't be at the game tonight. And I said, I, I knew you wouldn't be at the game tonight. I said, I would have been disappointed if you would have come to that game tonight. Because I know that you want to be an example to the congregation. But there are things more important than a ball game. That was our church night. That's Bible study night. That made a huge impact on my life. Because... It showed me. What what does it mean to follow Jesus? It's not a faith of convenience. It's a faith of conviction. What are you going to put first? The Lord first? He did. That made an impact on my life. A powerful example of, of faithfulness. And then thirdly, we see the powerful example of availability. Availability. Paul didn't send Timothy to the Philippian congregation because Timothy was a brave, vigorous, seasoned veteran in ministry. Uh, We read from 1 Timothy chapter 4 this morning, and Timothy was a young man, wasn't he? He was frequently ill, we find, in in, uh, Paul's letter to him. And he was by nature a timid young man. In fact, he was so timid, that Paul told the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 10, he says, Now if Timothy comes, see that he is with you without cause to be afraid. For he is doing the Lord's work as I also am. Isn't that an interesting comment? He was a, he was a guy that was by nature quite timid. And, and Paul says to the church at Corinth, If Timothy comes, don't give him any reason to be fearful. <laughs> That's the kind of young man that he was. So like every believer, Timothy had his weaknesses. I don't care who you are. We have those areas in our lives, right, that we might struggle with. And, and for Timothy, it was evidently fear. But God still used him. And there's, import, there's an important reason why. The key for Timothy was not his ability to, but His availability. Now I know you've heard that before, and that's kind of a cliché. But that is the truth, isn't it? That is the truth. It's not our abilities that are so important. Are we available? You can have the, the, the most wonderful abilities and gifts that the world has ever seen, but if you're not available for God to use, what does it matter? You know people that have great gifts, but they're not available. Unless it fits in with their schedule, right? I've got nothing else to do. Well, that was not, not Timothy at all. I found it very interesting. Of all the references in the New Testament to Timothy, I was amazed to see all the various places to which Paul sent him to minister. Acts 17, 15, we find him in Athens, Greece. 1 Corinthians 4.17, we find him in Corinth. 1 Thessalonians 3.2, we find him in Thessalonica. 1 Timothy 1.3, we find him in Ephesus. Here in our text, we see Paul's plan to send Timothy to Philippi. This guy got all over the place, right? He was available. And Paul sent him to various congregations that had been established faithful and available. No wonder God. Used him. No wonder God used him. Available to go anywhere. And Timothy was also available to go at any time. Paul's desire was to send Timothy to Philippi soon, but he wasn't sure when that would actually happen. If you look at verse 23, he was waiting for the decision of the Roman emperor. Verse 23, therefore I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go for me. But for a man like Timothy, I don't think that mattered anywhere, at any time. When the call came, Timothy was available. I wonder where he learned that lesson. Where do you think he learned that lesson? I think you know the answer. He learned it from his mentor. He had seen that in the life of Paul. In fact, Paul illustrates it right here in our text. Verse 19, Paul says, But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. Notice the will of God was was part of that. Verse 23, Therefore I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me, and I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. Paul made his plans, but still he understood who was sovereign over his plans? God was. And many times, Paul in his writings, if the, wills, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, he understood. God could change his plan anytime. And He was willing to follow as God led him through life. Alec motier notes, Paul did not say, I trust in the justice of the Roman law that I'll be released. After all, there's no charge against me. No real charge against me. Or I trust in my position as a Roman citizen. He says, neither of these. From the Roman court, he appeals to the highest court of all, the throne of God. For he resigns to the authority of his Lord. He goes on to say, Paul's doctrine taught him that a sovereign God rules all things. Freedom, imprisonment, comfort, discomfort, sickness, or health. Paul's practice was to accept without question what the Lord ordained. It was the Lord who had appointed him as apostle, and the same Lord would ordain the sphere and conditions of apostleship. Be it the old, free, roving commission to the Gentile world, the restrictive limits of a Roman jail, or the sentence of death. So Paul had learned. He had learned that his plans were in the Lord's hands. And this lesson obviously had an impact on the life of Timothy. Following God's leading. Whenever and wherever God would lead. Sometimes it may not seem sense, seem to make sense when God says go here or go there or when God does that. I think of the, the the call to Philip. Remember in Acts chapter eight, he went to Samaria and he was preaching the word there, and God was blessing uh, the crowds. Verse six of Acts eight says, "With one accord, we're giving attention to what Philip said." Lives were being changed. Verse 8 says, So there was much rejoicing in that city. Then God says to Philip, I want you to get up and go. Go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road, Luke tells us. So here he is in the midst of revival. Lives are being changed and God says, okay, I want you to leave now. And guess where I want you to go? I want you to go out in the desert. Now, if I put myself in Philip's shoes at that point, I would have said, hmm, now that's, that's interesting. You want me to go there and you want me to go there now? But you know the end of the story, don't you? As he's on that road to Gaza, here comes this chariot and here's this Ethiopian eunuch that had been in Jerusalem worshiping the Lord, and he's got the, the scroll of Isaiah the prophet, and he's reading it, and, and the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go up and go up and talk to that guy. That's my paraphrase, but so here he is reading, and Philip says, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I? Unless someone tells me. And so Philip you think that was an open door? Did he have to get down on his knees and say, Lord, would you want me to witness this guy? So, he, from that scripture, he pointed the Ethiopian eunuch to Jesus. He was saved. He goes back to Ethiopia, and many people believe that that's how the church in Ethiopia started. Now, if Philip would have said, what do you mean? You want me to leave this place? There's revival here. To Gaza? Are you kidding? But he went. Because he was willing to go, like Timothy, anywhere at any time. And God did some wonderful things through Philip and through Timothy. So as I read through scripture, I'm, I'm thankful for. These these examples, these men who who were willing to, to follow the Lord, who who became just wonderful examples of, of, of faithfulness and selflessness. They had their faults, like we all do, but they were available. And God used them in some wonderful ways. You know, as I look back on my life, I see how God had his hand in my life. Through different men in our congregation, and I don't know if they realized this or not, but they were like mentors to me. I think of Tim, I think of Bob, I think of Carl, I think of Norm, I think of Bernie. <laughs> These guys were flesh and blood examples to me of what it means to follow Jesus. And I don't know where I would be today without their influence in my life. I'm so grateful for them. And man, that's what we need to be to these young people in our congregation. We've got a lot of them. We've got a lot of kids in our church mentoring them. Maybe it's a, a, a real purposeful thing, but if, if it isn't, it ought to be displayed in our lives. The way we live, how, what it means to, to follow Jesus. Leslie Strobel was that kind of an example to her husband Lee. When he was saved, Allison, the daughter, said, I, I, want, I want what daddy has. I want what he has. Who knows what ripple effect this will have for generations to come. Christ-like example is a powerful thing. And by His grace, you and I can be that kind of person that God will use to show others what it means to follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank You for men like Timothy, men like Philip, men like Epaphroditus, men like Carl and Bob and Bernie and... Him and Norm, men who have impacted us in various ways. Oh, God, help us to be those kinds of people who are illustrating in our lives by what we say and do what it means to follow Jesus. Lord, do that work in us today for the glory and the praise of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.